Chapter Nine, Part Two of A Common Story by Ivan Goncharov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Nine, Part Two. One evening, Julia was already agitated by expectation. She stood at the window, and her impatience grew greater every minute she was pulling a china rose to pieces and throwing the petals onto the ground in her vexation but her heart failed her it was one of her moments of torture she played a mental game of question and answer would he come or would he not all the power of her mind was bent on solving that hard problem if it gave an affirmative answer she smiled when it did not she grew pale when alexander arrived she had sunk pale and exhausted into an armchair so powerfully her nerves wrought upon her when he came up to her impossible to describe the look with which she met him the rapture which lighted up every feature in an instant as though they had not met for a year though they had seen each other the evening before without speaking she pointed to the clock on the wall but he had hardly opened his lips to explain before she accepted his words without listening to them and forgave him and forgetting all the agony of suspense gave him her hand and they sat long talking and silently gazing at one another had not the servant reminded them they would infallibly have forgotten to have dinner what blissfulness alexander had never dreamed of such full perfection of sincere outpourings of the heart in the summer they took walks alone together out of the town if people were thronging together anywhere attracted by music or fireworks they hovered afar off among the trees walking hand in hand in winter alexander arrived at dinner-time and afterwards they sat side by side by the fire till midnight sometimes they ordered a sledge to be brought round and after flying through the dark streets they hastened back to continue their unfinished conversation by the samovar everything that presented itself every passing stir of thought or feeling all was felt and done in common alexander feared meeting with his uncle above all things he sometimes went to see lizaveta alexandrovna but she never succeeded in moving him to confidences he was always uneasy lest his uncle should appear and should make him figure in some scene of comedy again and so he always cut his visits short was he happy of other men in the like case one may answer yes and no at once but of him one can only say no with him love began with suffering at moments when he succeeded in forgetting the past he believed in the possibility of happiness in julia and in her love at another time he would grow troubled in the midst of the fire of the most sincere outpourings and would listen with apprehension to her passionate enthusiastic rhapsodies he fancied that she must certainly change to him or some other blow from destiny would lay waste his glorious world of bliss even while he was enjoying the moment of happiness he knew that it must be bought with suffering and melancholy took hold of him again the winter passed however summer came and his love still continued julia had become still more fervently devoted to him there was no change on her part nor any blow from destiny what did happen was altogether different his face grew more serene he had grown used to the idea of the possibility of a permanent attachment though this love is not now so passionate he thought one day as he looked at julia yet in compensation it is lasting perhaps eternal yes there is no doubt of it ah at last i understand thee destiny 
thou wouldst atone to me for my past sufferings and lead me after long wanderings into a quiet harbour at last so here is the haven of happiness julia he cried aloud she started what is it she asked nothing only nothing tell me you had some idea alexander was obstinate she continued to press him i thought that to make our happiness complete there is wanting what she asked with anxiety oh nothing an idea occurred to me julia was troubled ah don't torture me tell me directly she said alexander spoke musingly in an undertone as though to himself to gain the right not to leave her for an instant not to go away home to be everywhere and always with her to be her rightful protector before the eyes of the world she to call me hers aloud without blushing or turning pale and to be so all our lives and to take pride in it for ever speaking in this lofty strain a word at a time he at last reached the word marriage julia trembled then burst into tears she gave him her hand with a feeling of unutterable tenderness and gratitude and they both revived and both began talking at once it was decided that alexander should talk to his aunt and beg for her aid in this complicated matter they did not know what to do for joy it was a glorious lovely evening they started off to a place out of town a wood and succeeding after much pains in finding a little hillock where they sat the whole evening looking at the setting sun and fancying their future way of life they made plans to limit themselves to a narrow circle of acquaintances and not to waste their time in useless visiting they then returned home and began to discuss the future arrangement of their house the distribution of their rooms and so on they got as far as furnishing them alexander proposed to turn her dressing-room into his study so that it might be near their bedroom what kind of furniture would you like in the study she said i should like walnut wood with blue velvet draperies that would be pretty and would not get dirty one must be sure to choose dark colours for a man's study light colours are so soon spoiled by smoking but here in the little passage which leads from your future study to the bedroom i will arrange a conservatory won't it be lovely there i shall place one easy chair so that i could sit there to read or work and see you in the study i shall not have to part from you much longer said alexander at parting she put her hand over his mouth the next day alexander set off to see lizaveta alexandrovna to disclose to her what she had long been aware of and to beg her advice and assistance begging her till the matter was concluded not to say a word about it to pyotr ivanitch the summer was quickly over and the dull autumn too dragged slowly to an end another winter had begun adouev's visits to julia were still as frequent it seemed as though she kept a strict account of the days hours and minutes which could possibly be spent together she let no opportunity pass shall you start early for the office to-morrow she would ask sometimes at eleven then come to me at tea we will have breakfast together but could not you stay away altogether as though they could not do without you what duty to one's country alexander would begin a fine idea you must say that you love and are beloved can it be that your chief has never loved if he has a heart he will understand or bring your work here who hinders you from working here another time she would not let him go to the theatre and as for seeing friends she almost always absolutely prevented it when lizaveta alexandrovna came to call on her for long after julia could not get over the discovery that alexander's aunt was so young and handsome she had imagined her as an aunt after her own fancy 
elderly and plain like the majority of aunts and here if you please was a woman of six or seven and twenty and a beauty she had a scene with alexander and from that time permitted him very rarely to go to his uncle's but what was her jealousy and tyranny compared with alexander's tyrannizing he was by now convinced of her attachment and saw that her nature did not admit of change or diminution of feeling and still was jealous and what a jealousy it was not the jealousy that comes of too much love the jealousy of tears and sighs and complaint springing from the pangs of a heart that dreads to lose its happiness no it was a hard cold cruel jealousy he tyrannized over the poor woman from love more than others would have done through hate he would fancy for instance some evening in the presence of guests that she did not look long and tenderly or often enough at him and then if there were any young man near julia or even not a young man simply a man or a woman sometimes even a thing then woe betide her insult bitterness the blackest scorn and reproach were showered upon her then she was forced to exculpate herself and to make atonement by various sacrifices and unqualified submission she had to give up speaking with this person give up staying in one place give up going to another to put up with the significant smiles and whispers of the slyly observant to blush to grow pale to be compromised if she received an invitation to go anywhere before replying she would turn a questioning look on him and he need only frown for her to decline instantly pale and trembling sometimes he would give her permission she would prepare be dressed and ready to get into the carriage when suddenly from some caprice of the moment he would pronounce a threatening veto and she would take off her things and countermand the carriage afterwards he would very likely begin to beg her forgiveness and offer to go but too late to dress and order the carriage again so it had to be given up he was jealous not only of handsome or intelligent or talented people but even of the most unattractive and at last simply of those whose faces he did not like but julia put up with it all she cut herself off from friends never went out anywhere and sat alone with alexander they went on now of set design living upon their bliss having come to the end of all the natural ordinary delights she began to devise fresh ones to diversify that world which is rich enough in pleasures without such aid what an inventive faculty julia displayed but even that power was exhausted repetitions were reached there was nothing left to desire or to experience they had learnt each other's feelings ways of thinking powers and limitations and nothing now hindered them from carrying out the plan they had formed sincere outpourings grew less frequent they sometimes sat for hours together without saying a word but julia was happy even in silence at times she would address alexander with a question and receive a yes or no and be content if she did not receive even this she would fasten her eyes upon him he would smile and she would be happy again if he did not smile nor make any reply she would begin to watch every movement every look and interpret it in her own way and then reproaches would follow they had ceased talking of the future because alexander was conscious on that subject of an embarrassment a discomfort which he could not explain to himself and he tried to change the conversation he began to ponder to grow thoughtful the magic circle in which his life was enclosed by love was broken through in places and the faces of his friends appeared to him from afar together with a whole sequence of stormy dissipation at times brilliant balls with crowds of pretty girls 
at other times his ever occupied and busy uncle his own neglected pursuits in such a mood he was sitting one evening at julia's there was a snowstorm outside the snow drifted on the window and stuck in frozen lumps on the panes the wind rushed up the chimney and whistled mournfully in the room the only sound was the monotonous ticking of the clock on the table and now and then a sigh from julia alexander from want of anything to do cast a glance round the room then looked at the clock ten and he would have to stay another two hours he yawned his eyes rested on julia she stood leaning with her back to the fireplace her white face bent over her shoulder and followed alexander with her eyes but not with an expression of doubt or interrogation but one of tenderness love and happiness it was clear that she was struggling against a secret emotion with some dream of sweetness and she seemed worn out by it her nerves wrought so powerfully upon her that even the thrill of tenderness itself reacted on her with the exhaustion of illness torture and bliss were inseparable for her alexander responded with a cold uneasy stare he went up to the windows and began to drum lightly on the pane with his finger looking into the street from the street a mingled sound of voices and the rattle of carriages reached them at all the windows were bright lights and flitting shadows he fancied that where the light was brightest there was a lively party assembled there most likely there was a lively interchange of thoughts and ardent versatile feelings there life was noisy and merry and over there at that dimly lighted window no doubt some noble hard-working man was sitting busily occupied and alexander began to reflect that for two years now he had been dragging on an indolent senseless existence two years gone from the sum total of life and all through love here he began an onslaught on love and what a love he thought a sleepy spiritless sort of love this woman gave way to her feelings without a struggle without an effort without opposition like an unresisting victim a weak woman lacking character she would have bestowed her love on the first man who came across her if it had not been me she would have loved surkoff exactly the same indeed she had already begun to love him yes it's no good for her to justify herself i saw it if someone had appeared a little more adroit and active than i she would have yielded to him it's simply immorality is that love where is the sympathy of souls of which sentimental people are always preaching and what an affinity of souls there seemed to be in our case it seemed as though they would be one forever and what has it come to devil knows what it is there's no understanding it he muttered with irritation what are you doing there what are you thinking about asked julia oh nothing he said yawning and sat down on the sofa rather further from her clutching with one hand a corner of the embroidered cushion sit here closer he did not move and made no answer what is the matter with you to-day she said going up to him you are unbearable to-day i don't know he said drowsily i'm somehow as if i he did not know what answer to make to her and to himself he had not yet made thoroughly clear to himself what was happening to him she sat down near him began to talk of the future and by degrees grew animated she drew a happy picture of family life jestingly for a little time but with a very tender conclusion you my husband look she said pointing round soon all this will be yours you will be the master here in the house as you are already in my heart now i am independent i can do what i like and go wherever i please but then nothing here can stir from its place without your permission i myself shall be in bondage to your will 
what a sweet slavery rivet the chains as soon as may be when is it to be all my life i dreamed of such a man of such a love and now my dream has come true and happiness is near i can scarcely believe it do you know it seems like a dream to me is it not a recompense for all my past sufferings it was torture to alexander to listen to these words but suppose i got tired of you he asked suddenly trying to give a jesting accent to his voice i should box your ears she said pinching his ear then she sighed and grew pensive even at the suggestion in jest he did not speak but what's the matter with you she asked suddenly and insistently you don't speak you scarcely hear what i say you look away then she moved up to him and laying her hand on his shoulder began to speak softly almost in a whisper on the same subject but not so positively she recalled the beginning of their intimacy the beginning of their love her first feelings and first happiness she almost fainted from the tenderness of her emotion and in her pale cheeks there were two spots of crimson which by degrees grew hot her eyes glowed then grew languid and half-closed her bosom heaved she spoke hardly audibly and with one hand played with alexander's soft hair then looked straight into his eyes he gently disengaged his head from her hand drew a comb out of his pocket and carefully combed the lock she had ruffled she got up and looked fixedly at him what is the matter with you alexander she said uneasily there she is at it again how can i tell he thought but did not speak are you bored she said and in her voice was a tone of question and of doubt bored he thought the word is found yes it's terrible deadly boredom that's the worm which has been gnawing at my heart for months good god what am i to do and she talks of love of marriage how can i undeceive her she sat down to the piano and began to play some of his favourite pieces he did not listen but kept thinking his own thoughts julia let her hands fall she sighed wrapped herself in a shawl and flung herself into the other corner of the sofa and from there watched alexander with mournful eyes he took up his hat where are you going she said with surprise home it is not eleven o'clock yet i have to write to mamma i haven't written to her for a long while a long while you wrote the day before yesterday he did not speak there was nothing for him to say he really had written and had incidentally mentioned it to her at the time but had forgotten it but love does not forget the smallest detail in the eyes of love everything which relates to the beloved object is a fact of importance a complex web is woven in a lover's mind from observations subtle imaginations recollections and surmises about everything which surrounds the beloved which takes place in his sphere or has any bearing upon him one word a hint no need of a hint a glance a scarcely perceptible movement of the lips is enough for love to found a conjecture on then to pass from it to imagination and thence to a decisive conclusion and then to suffer torture or to be blissful in his own thoughts the logic of lovers sometimes false sometimes amazingly correct quickly builds up an edifice of conjectures and suspicions but the strength of love still more quickly levels it to the ground often a single smile is enough for this a tear two or three words and the suspicions are gone this kind of supervision there is no means of lulling to sleep or deceiving the lover at one time suddenly takes some idea into his head which no one else would have thought of in his wildest dreams at another time he fails to see what is taking place under his nose 
at one time acute to clairvoyance at another short-sighted to blindness end of chapter nine part two recording by expatriate in bangor maine